Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com writing excuses. Season 11, episode 32. This is Writing Excuses, the element of humor. 15 minutes long. Because, because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're sitting in a new room. We're recording, actually, here at Fanny's Comic Con um, in Mary's room. And we are going to be talking about humor. Now, Howard always warns me that talking about humor is the least funny thing you can do. It pretty much is. <laughs> and it always has been in the past when we've tried it. Yes. But it is an important topic for us to cover. And so this week we're going to be talking about using humor and what what makes a story humorous? That's a big question. Yeah. Well, for starters, when we talk about the elemental genres, it's important to recognize that uh, the what is what is the driving force that keeps the reader turning the pages yes. with that given element? Mm-hmm. And as we've talked about humor in the past, uh, we've talked about the the metabolic aspect of it, right? The the release, the loss of control as you laugh, and we turn pages in the hopes that that will happen again, right? When uh, I remember a few months ago, you we were talking about horror. You listed horror, romance, and humor as the most visceral of the genres because yeah. you said those are the ones eliciting a specific emotion. Yeah, well, specific, a metabolic reaction. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, you know, that can be said of, you know, if it makes you cry, yeah. if it yeah. makes you cheer, all of that is metabolic. But the actual movement of your diaphragm as you laugh out loud, that's kind of an amazing thing. Um, making that happen mm-hmm. is uh, is mystical and... But it's not it's not magic. There's things that you can do to there's things you can do to make that work. Right. And we're gonna talk about some strategies for doing that today. Absolutely. So I recently was at um a convention and got to hear Peter Sagel from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, mm-hmm. uh, who's also a playwright, do a, a thing on humor. And one of the things that he said that was kind of made me sort of uh reevaluate how I was approaching mm-hmm. it was that um that he said that, uh, oops, humor, I actually wrote this down, um, that every joke is a story hmm. and that the root of every story is desire. Okay. Which I thought was a really interesting way to approach it, that that there is, in fact, a story that you're telling when you're telling a joke. And that a lot of times we think about it as, well, there's just, you know, this thing happens and it's funny, but that what it's missing when you do that is the understanding that stories are are about connections mm-hmm. and that there's a context okay. that has to go with that. Well, a great many jokes, uh, a great many funny stories are when you are telling a story that is kind of funny and then you get to the end of it and you realize, 
oh, I was actually being told a very different story, and that's kind of hilarious, as everything is recontextualized in a new light. I don't have an example of that right now, but uh, but I'm sure you can <laughs> think of one, fair listener, if you go find something funny. Well, I mean, the the classic example is is actually the opening of Hitchhiker's Guide, which is, you know, the Vogon ships hung in the sky. In much the same way that bricks don't. Right, and that says, I'm going to be telling you a science fiction story Maybe not. Right. It is science it is fiction, fiction, but it's re- it's, it's not it, what you're expecting. Yeah, it is going other places. Yeah. Uh, I grew up on Douglas Adams. Uh, I devoured those books. I loved the wordplay. Um, and, and in going back and reading those, they are still funny, mm-hmm. um, but they don't work for me quite as well as they used to. And, I mean, that line— continues to be awesome. But there are a great many others where I read them and thought, oh, wow, you know, he could have he tweaked this. He could have pushed this a little more over here, and it just would have rang a little funnier. Now, part of that is my personal taste. Um, yeah, let me ask about that. Humor can be very subjective. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So how is it that we can even talk about making something funny? Do you shoot for the broadest possible audience, or do you put different types of humor in, or...? Well, there's when you're categorizing humor, you there's the there's you know situational comedy, mm-hmm. and physical comedy, uh, wordplay, puns. Uh, these are all kind of classes of humor. Mm-hmm. Then there are the techniques that you apply to those classes. Okay. And so when I'm reading Douglas Adams, in some in some cases, the class of humor, which is farcical science fiction, yeah. doesn't work for me anymore because I've made fun of science fiction mm. enough and the joke falls flat. But the technique that is being used to tell the joke, whether it's comic drop or rule of three mm-hmm. or... Uh, Let's... Um, and I'll get, mm-hmm. I'll get to yeah. those. I'll get to those. But I, I start looking at the technique and uh, and that's where, for me, turning the screws is always always the most fun. I think when you're trying to decide, you know, what kind of humor, how am I going to make the most number of people laugh, it's the same as, as almost anything else that you're trying to write. Make sure you're the one laughing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do what amuses you the most, and that's what's going to work best. See, and I, I totally agree with that, though. I Personally, and this is more of a thing for... The next humor episode we'll do where we're talking about adding humor to a different type of story. But for me, I'm writing generally these big epic fantasy books. Mm-hmm. And I can't afford to have only one kind of humor. Because if the humor consistently misses for a reader, they need to find something else that they're enjoying. Otherwise, they're going to put that book down. Yeah. And so, yes and no. For me, I'm like, I need three different types of humor in every book with different characters saying humor in different ways, so that you'll find something funny, hopefully, even if you don't find this character funny. But you find all three of those forms funny, don't you, yourself? I do find all three of those forms funny, so yes. So, I mean, the thing, the thing that Dan is, that you're both saying, mm-hmm. um, here, let me split the middle, is that you, you have to think, you, have, you are your first and most important reader in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but the, you have to also think about who you are communicating to. Yes. Otherwise, in, in puppetry terms, it's the, the difference between a puppet and a doll mm-hmm. is, um, is that a puppet has an audience and a mm. doll you're playing for yourself. Mm. And so with writing, and, and particularly with humor, 
you are trying to be funny for someone else, but you should never extract yourself from that equation. Mm-hmm. I would say, though, along these lines, the more I've written, the more types of humor I've found funny. Yeah. yeah. Things I didn't find funny as a teenager, I now can see the humor in mm-hmm. and can apply them. Just like there are stories that when I was young, I'm like, oh, I'm not interested in that type of story that now I appreciate and can apply to my writing. Well, and, and there's... I think it's more than just different kinds of humor. It's the execution of the humor. Mm-hmm. You know, I use lots of different kinds of humor in the John Cleaver books. I uh, use a lot of different kinds of humor in Blacker Darkness. Yes. My editor at the time, Moshe, never thought any of them were funny. He's mm-hmm. never thought any of my writing was funny. Uh, and it's just because right. you know, whatever genre of humor I was using, sometimes it just Your doesn't land for different people. Yeah. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's um let's actually stop for our book of the week and then we'll come back and we're gonna have Howard give us some of his techniques and okay. some definitions. All right. The book of the week is Death by Cliche by Robert J. Defendi. Um, disclaimer, Bob's in my writing group. And Death by Cliche is one of my favorite funny books of all time because it doubles down on all of the tropes, as the title kind of suggests. Uh, quick synopsis. A game designer who is participating in the worst role-playing game ever tries to leave, is murdered in a back alley, and wakes up in that game Hmm. where the hallway (laughs) is lit by flaming brassiers. Yes, they don't know the difference. Because the person doesn't (laughs) know the difference between brassier and brazier. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And and Bob does a great (laughs) job of... Of like I said, doubling down on all of that and making it funny, and at the same time, giving us a story where something is at stake, where there's where there's real heart to the story. Um, one of the things that happens to this character is because he is a game designer inside a game. The 
faceless cardboard sorts of NPCs around him begin coming to life when he does certain things and stop acting like cardboard cutouts. Mm. Really kind of wonderful. Um, it's available on Audible now, um, like just now. I, I just mm. found out. Death by Cliché. Um, but you can also pick it up anywhere. Uh, anywhere fine books are sold. Anywhere fine books are sold. Um, and that, fair listener, is uh, thanks to you and, uh, and Patreon. We appreciate your sponsorship. All right, so let's talk about your techniques. You mentioned three of them earlier. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to start with comic drop. Um, Comic drop is the term that I use when the status between two people changes, uh, when one person is elevated over another. Uh, It is really common in the low sorts of humor that we scowl at because people are punching Mm -hmm. down. Right. But it can be done really, really well, and you will find that that, for instance, self-deprecatory humor Mm -hmm. is a great comic drop. In fact, our haiku tagline is a Mm -hmm. comic drop. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and we're not that smart. Mm -hmm. And there's the drop right there at the end. Um, I was thinking about that this morning and thinking, well, what, what does the, what's our real message with the podcast? And the real message is this podcast is short because you should be spending more time writing and less time just listening. I mean, that's what we're right. That's yeah. what we're trying to say. And I asked myself, can I rewrite that so it's not the joke, but it's pithy? And I came up with 15 minutes long because you should be writing, not listening to us. Mm. It's not as funny because the comic drop doesn't work as well, but that's the same, that's the same principle. And if I were right. taking that and trying to turn the screws on it and wordsmith it, I might have arrived at the second one first and then worked my way towards the first one. We got the first one because I just got lucky. Um, <laughs> See, but you've, you've mentioned before, like, situational comedy, where it's like two characters interacting and the situation is funny is almost always comic drop, meaning someone is changing status yep. through the conversation or through the, the events. We did at the beginning of the episode when uh, we had episode with Jim Hines, which mm-hmm. folks can go listen to. Um, I introduced him and said, all the men want to be like him and all the women want to be with those men, <laughs> which is a fantastic comic drop. And I remember Brandon, we all laughed. And mm-hmm. then Brandon said, what? why was that funny? Mm. How does that joke even work? Um, and there's two things that work there. And one is the comic drop. And the other is a principle which... We talk about in late, out early. Mm-hmm. Um, payload, then pause. Whatever your punchline is, whatever the payload is, whatever the funniest bit is, put that as close to the natural pause as you can so that we have the opportunity to react and to laugh. If you give us the payload and then keep talking, uh, the joke loses the joke loses its punch. And that one, uh, and all the women want to be with him is what mm-hmm. you're expecting. The very last word is now gone and is replaced with other men. And so the payload is the very last thing, which is kind of perfect. And I thought of it on the fly because I'm just that good. <laughs> That's not actually self-deprecating. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, is, it is an example, dear listener, of, of the kind of thing that, that happens when you've been working in a field for a long time. There are certain mm-hmm. tools that 
are easier that you learn to do instinctively because you've been working at them so long. And that's one of the reasons we try to break these techniques down for you is so that you can try individual things and, you know, where you're thinking about it consciously until you hit a point where you can do it without having to think about it. Um, an example, Mary, should we do the Yeah, let's do that thing. One? Yeah. Um, Mary and I actually rehearsed this a little bit. Uh, I want to bring up an example from the television episode, uh, television show Gallivant. And it, this is an example of rule of three. And it's a brilliant example of rule of three. This is a love song. Uh, three stanzas. Mary, would you give us the first one? I am not singing, just so everyone's clear. Yep. <laughs> love is strange and sometimes kind of gross. It's embarrassingly gassy, and it leaves its dirty underwear in piles around the place. Okay, so there we have there we have three beats, and the third one is the longest, and the third one is the most specific, and is starting to paint a picture for us. And so that stanza, all by itself, fulfills rule of three in a funny way. So what is rule of three? A rule of three is uh, essentially beat-beat punchline. Thing one, thing two, thing three, where we are escalating to... Uh, Escalating to the funniest moment. Okay. okay? Um, I and, see this a lot in fiction is, is lists, you know. The, he walked in the room and saw a desk, a lamp, you know, and a big, big green monster eating a burrito. Right. right. Mm-hmm. That sort of right. thing. That, that sort of thing. And that rhythm works really well for us. So uh, the other thing that's happened here is that we are told we are getting a love song and we finish this stanza complaining about dirty underwear. And so we have a reversal. Mm-hmm. We are not getting what we expect. Let's, let's have the second stanza. All right. And the second stanza is, Love is rude. It has a sort of smell and thinks you don't notice. And it blurts out things that make you want to smack its stupid face. In this one, we have, again, it's more specific at the end, and we get a comic drop. We see that the singer is, she's elevated in status over her mm-hmm. love, Um, because, you know, smacking his stupid face. Uh, Let's go with the third stanza. And it's awkward and annoying. It annoys you half to death. Then it grins that dopey grin, and you can't catch your breath. And that is the the third rule of three, and it fulfills the big one. And with this, we get a second reversal. Oh, this really is a love song. And it's actually a pretty good love song. And you're forced to recast all of those other things as things not that we are complaining about, but that we have come to adore. Mm. And I like this example because Gallivant, yeah, it's, it's straight up comedy. But this love song is a love song. It's a stirring love song that makes us laugh and makes us emote with the characters. Mm-hmm. Well, it has a, another reversal between character status at the end as well. Mm-hmm. That's right. Where Isabella, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, she is not elevated over the love. She is captured by it. Yeah. yeah. We don't have a lot of time left on this, but I do want to hit just a question for the podcasters. How do you make an entire story out of this? We're talking about humor as our elemental genre, making an entire story constructed from Around the idea of that's, humor. No, that's, that is a great question. Mm-hmm. I, look for, I look for key elements. We've talked a lot about making mm-hmm. promises to readers. Yep. Um, often the promise that I am making is that I am setting, thing, I am setting a thing up and something funny is going to happen later. And with rule of three, I set a thing up and something happens later and then I deliver it bigger. Mm. And so my outline will have, you know, beginning, middle, end, rule of three in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
And that also functions as a callback. Um, sometimes it is a comic drop where I'm going to lessen that person's status at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm going to drop them further at the middle. And then at the end, there is a reversal and their status increases. Mm-hmm. And, okay, couched not as a joke, that's just good storytelling. Right. You know, that's, that's it, there's some symmetry and there's some character dynamic. Uh, couched as humor, we will find it funnier because of the symmetry that's there. Right. And, and this gets to, back to that thing that Peter Sagal was talking about with every joke has a story. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the other things that he said with this was that every joke is contextual, uh, which is why he believes that comedy tends to age less well than tragedy, because um, the jo- comedy is often based on common context and right. things in, in popular culture. But he also said that every joke is a surprise and that every joke has the illusion of spontaneity, which is one of the reasons that callbacks, which is mm. what what Howard was talking about work so well. So a callback technically is where you refer back to a previous joke mm-hmm. long after you've gone past it. And the reason that that works and, and the reason you can use it to structure a story is that what you're doing is you have spent, you've built a common context with the reader and then you bring the callback up in a scenario that they are not expecting it. It comes mm-hmm. as a surprise. Um, it's, it is, so it, it's doing two things simultaneously. It is referring back to your common context and it's also surprising you and it feels spontaneous because it is so unexpected. So when you're trying to build an entire story this way, one of the things that you have to be thinking about is looking for ways to not tip your hand. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and this is, well, it, it, it occurs to me just Hearing you say that and hearing Howard says, the Shakespearean quote-unquote comedies, which mm-hmm. are, you know, all comedic, but also they're their own genre, all are about, every one of them, people in new situations. They're comic drops. They're, mm-hmm. We're going to put someone in a, in a we're going to drop them, drop them, raise them, drop them, raise them, mm-hmm. is basically how these are going. The, the other thing that I will say about structuring things as a comedy, which is my own personal thing, um, is that I think that pretty much the only difference between a comedy and a horror is your tone. Mm. Um, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. Yep. I think uh, for me, one of the reasons that makes both of those genres work more than more so than in other genres is the familiarity you have with the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to love that character and know that character in order to feel scared f- on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Also, the better you know a character then when the joke starts to get set up, you can almost tell it to yourself in advance mm. because you know exactly how everyone in the room is going to react. I think that's one of the reasons, for example, that Arrested Development works so well. Mm. They often don't even have punchlines on that show. Mm-hmm. They just tell the first half of the joke and the audience tells the second half because they are so familiar with the characters. Yeah. The, uh, when, when Mary said surprising, um, we've talked about surprising yet inevitable a lot. One of the reasons that love song works so well for us is that there is a rhyme scheme. And mm. when you deliver on a rhyme with a punchline, the rhyme fulfills inevitable automatically. We knew there was going to be a rhyme. It had to happen. And when it changes a meaning, you know, you can't catch your breath, it is a, is a rhyme, it fulfills surprising yet inevitable. There are lots of other ways to do that if you can surprise us with a joke and the joke is inevitable in the context of the rest of the right. story, you have multiple story purses, purposes going on, and you're awesome. Yeah, but I'm just going to, and I can tell that we need to wrap up, but the, um, the, the catch with that 
is that illusion of spontaneity. If you are telegraphing your jokes, mm-hmm. and and the example of that is like, um, oh right, I can't curse on this podcast. <laughs> oh, my life is so difficult. <laughs> um, but if I had if I had just done that, um, if I had been like, okay, so I have an example, and oh, that's right. I can't curse on this podcast mm-hmm. because I've just telegraphed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the when you're structuring it, making sure that you do not do that wink and the nod mm-hmm. too hard at your audience. We are out of time. We will come back um, and talk about this in a few weeks. But Howard, why don't you give us some homework that they can okay. work on yes. during that time? Um, I want you to get I, I want you to get something funny, a book. Uh, hopefully that you can actually make notes in and outline, I say outline, underline, uh, highlighter, look for rules of three. Look for places where there are three things in a list. Look for places in which three similar things happen. Uh, By the same token, look for comic drops. Circle or underline any place where uh, characters' statuses change. As you go through this, I have no idea what you're going to actually find because I don't know what it is you're reading. But as you go through this, try and figure out what the pattern is to this story that makes it work. Why are these elements working working so well? Um, ultimately, what you want to be able to do is you want to know how to apply these tools in your own writing. And so you have to look for them specifically in someone else's work. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.